Hey Swifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is The Swiftcast. Coming up on this episode... Yorkshire, 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 Yorkshire. It's here, the Yorkshire UCI course is live on Swift. This time, it's personal. Yorkshire, 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 Yorkshire. Mountain biking and steering are both coming to the game. And we mop up some very interesting bits and pieces from Eurobike. Order is restored. Podcast fans, except my voice, a bit croaky. Uh, my apologies for that. But order is restored in that we have our regular lineup down there in Melbourne, dodging magpies. It's Shane Miller. Good day, mate. How are we doing, Simon? Pretty good, apart from my voice, for which I uh, just issue a second apology. A bit croaky. Too many aeroplanes. Too many viruses. Over there in Wisconsin, eating cheese. Shane Guerra. Up in the Shane Guerra. That's what my script is. <laughs> but, but it's not in. It's not, is it? It's it's Nathan Guerra. Yo, dude. I laughed out loud when I saw that in the script, and I was wondering <laughs> if you were actually going to say it or not, or if you would catch I it. <laughs> not sure I'm I eating did. cheese. I am drinking coffee at 1 a.m., but uh, yeah. trying to stay away from the cheese nowadays. How many episodes have we done? And I'm co- and I've suddenly started calling you Shangera. Where did where did that come from? Anyway, my friends, let's get straight down to it. Yorkshire, well, Harrogate, and it really is Harrogate to be absolutely accurate, rather than Yorkshire. But that's splitting hairs, and I do have something of a personal stake in this, so there might be a bit of that in this episode. But anyway, what do we think, Shane? Uh, well, first of all, the multiple routes on the course, because we knew what was coming. It was the 14-kilometer loop of the UCI 2019 Worlds. And uh, I was wondering how they're going to do multiple routes, because you can only go one way or the other. But there is an intersection, and they're very craftily allowed us to sort of do U-turns mm. and turns in the intersection, a bit of a cross intersection. So that's pretty cool, first of all. Secondly, that first few kilometers, oh, my God, what a bore. It's like out, up, 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 <laughs> up. You turn a corner, up, up, up. And not, when you're really getting really, really bored of the straight and up, it gets a little steeper and then a little bit steeper. And then the fun starts, the sheep are there and the, the house with the gnomes. Then you've got that descent in th- over the and, – and then it gets really, really cool. But that first couple of kilometers, I'm like, is this the new norm? Is this so hard to run? What trainer am I on? What, what's the resistance set to max? Oh, man. So – Going the other way is pretty cool, though. The other, I reckon the reverse is yeah. much cooler, but I liked it. It's something new. Yeah, I Tons did of people that. out on course today. <laughs> uh, a lot of people riding in groups and doing turns. And uh, no, it was, it's really good. It's, it's something new. I like it. Well, that long straight section that you talk about, I mean, I'm going to bore on about this endlessly this episode, I'm afraid. <laughs> you know, if you, if you have a pound for every time you hear me say, in real life, uh, you're going to end up at the end of this episode, Rich Men. Um, in real life, that's called Otley Road. And honestly, I mean, it really, really is exactly like that. It is, I mean, the, the replication. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing with picking UCI courses, isn't it? You get what you're given, you know. It is. Um, um, anyway, uh, yeah, and just as a matter of note, which uh, um, I'm sure Swift just be terribly interested in, that road goes past my old school. Um, Nathan, um, your reaction, I know you've just written it, haven't you? Yeah, I just rode the UCI course, uh, which was great last night. I jumped onto the flattest course because I was, uh, just getting a spin in and playing some games at the same time. What came to mind during both of them during the UCI course, I was like, wow, this is well actually both both of them i was like these are good race courses um the uphill right off the bat i know shane sees says it's really boring um i mean a good it's a good 
puncher's course, right? Like right from the get-go, it's a 4% for quite a long ways. It's going to split the field up immediately. And then you've got the KOM, which is extremely punchy. You've got another little kicker in there too. There's a kick to the finish. I think as far as a race course goes, two laps, I don't know, maybe it's, I heard someone's doing one of the, one of the series might be doing three laps this coming week. I'm, I don't know how long I'm going to be talking on that. The, uh, and then I did, I believe it was, um, Dutchie estate. I believe I did because it was the lowest elevation and I wanted to just spin around. And that is a great crit course because it just has these little undulations, you know, where you can break things apart, but not, uh, not, not, not have to climb for too long. So it's got that kind of like on off on off feel of a crit so love it for racing that's for sure well i'm gonna ask you both this i mean we do get out into the into the yorkshire countryside a little on the harrogate course but they've not included any of the the absolute glory of the yorkshire dales the kind of stuff that we saw on the grand depart in 2014 and that all us people who ride regularly in Yorkshire, no, is just the most stunning scenery. There isn't any of that. Um, John Mayfield, the game's creator, has acknowledged this, and he explained that the game team have been kind of busy this year. Um, I mean, that we've had Titans Grove, we've had Bologna, we've had the new flat course. Uh, there is actually a new mountain bike course, which very few people have seen yet, and the steering thing. And he makes the point that, you know, every company, not only Zwift, but every company has has limited resources. And the choice they have made in recent years was to go with the finishing circuit of the UCI course, which means, you know, some people who know Yorkshire really well may be a little disappointed. I mean, I, you know, I think that's that's worth acknowledging. Um, is that fair enough, what, what John says, Shane, do you think? Yeah, look, spending the resources to make things, you know, picture perfect, sort of Google Street View perfect would take a lot. And for someone like me who doesn't know the course and doesn't know the area, it looks pretty good to me. Hey, look, the sheep look pretty realistic. So, <laughs> look, it's about the ride experience. And those hills, it's different terrain. It's going to be different in a bunch. Um, but there have been comments either way, really. People saying, I love it. It's got this, it's got that, it's got that particular building. And other people saying, I live on course and it's just not the same. I, It's not the purpose of it. It's not a true environment simulator. It's a cycling simulator. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I am the world's worst judge on this. I mean, my objectivity must be suspended for this episode. But I have to say, I think as a replication of the Harrogate I know extremely well, it's absolutely bang on. I mean, the the architecture in the Dutchy Estate section is just so, so close to, to reality. I mean, I've actually got a friend who lives uh, around there, and I can spot his house, and it's like recognisably his house. You know, I mean, it is. It, I think he's an absolutely incredible job. But as I say, my objectivity is somewhat suspended this this episode. Um, Nathan, there's always an argument that because you know these these world's courses are always super super long, and everybody's always going to say, "Oh, why can't we have the full course or a bit more of the UCI course?" Um, you can't do everything, can you? No, and I think there has been a lot of new pavement comparatively to what we have seen in releases in year, years past. I mean, there we've yeah. had, I think, how many releases in four months or something? I mean, we've got the, we had the the Deserts, we've got the Titans Grove, and now we've got UCI Worlds course, we have Bologna. I mean, that's a lot of new pavement. And it actually harkens back to some of the tools that we saw, um, the new stuff that they've been, you know, working on in order to make new pavement very quickly uh, with the game team. And I think that that's really paying off. And so kudos to Zwift on, 
using the tools and resources that they built in house to show how they can quickly turn over uh, pavement quickly. And I think now that like, I, I hope that they're going to feel like they're starting to get on top of it and caught up and some other things will start coming down the line. I think that's what future works is kind of hinting toward that. Look, we've kind of got this, yeah. this pavement thing down and now maybe we can do some game stuff and like interactive stuff with it. Yep. No, I completely agree on that. And and also, you know, if you, if you look at the new stuff that we've got this year, it's quality, you know, this is not stuff that's just banged out um, with generic countryside. I mean, arguably parts of the London extension were a bit kind of generic and bland, but all the stuff that we've had has been immensely detailed. I mean, Yorkshire in particular, again, for me, uh, and I'll say yet again, my objectivity is compromised on this, but, 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 but the artwork, I think is absolutely sensational. I mean, whoever is in charge of trees at Zwift just needs a pay rise, you know, because trees and foliage just seem to be getting better and better and better the whole time. Uh, I, I, I think it's an absolute corker, of course, but um, I'm biased. Anyway, uh, blowing my own Harrogate trumpet a little, I, I actually had a hand in naming some of the routes. Uh, don't ask a Yorkshireman to say routes, by the way, you two. Um, I thought uh, listeners might like a little background. The 4.7 kilometre route called Duchy Estate, this is a residential area and a very desirable piece of real estate, one of the poshest places in the whole of England to live. All the land is owned by the Duke of Lancaster, which is in fact the Queen. I know, could it be more British? The reigning sovereign always takes the title of the Duke of Lancaster. The main roads, Kent Road and Cornwall Road, are named for the Dukes of Kent and Cornwall, so it's all very aristocratic. The 5.7-kilometre Queen's Highway route has the same derivation, based on the idea that the ultimate owner of this land is the Queen. God bless you, Mark. The Royal Pump Room 8 at 27.5 kilometres and the tour of Tewitt Well, note the pronunciation, the 10.7 kilometre loop, both draw on another big piece of Harrogate's background. And that is that it's a spa town. In the 18th and 19th centuries, Harrogate made its fortune by drawing often wealthy people to come and take its waters, which had a supposedly curative effect. Waters are, in fact, foul-smelling, being very sulphurous, with a bad eggs-like odour. We were taken as schoolchildren to try them, and you can imagine the scene. The pump room, and you can see the actual building on the course, was one of the places the waters emerged from the ground, and the same applies to Tewitt Well. These days, Harrogate markets water in bottles like Evian or Perrier, but happily, it's not sulphurous. Uh, so there we go, chaps. There's a bit of Harrogate history for you. Um, I can't tell you how odd it is to ride around your own hometown. Uh, I mean, so many of my youthful stamping grounds there, uh, including my old school and old flats. There's two of them on the course. Um, there's a tree into which I once drove a motorbike. Uh, plenty of pubs where I've drunk plenty of good Yorkshire beer. I'm not telling you any more about the tree and the motorbike incident, uh, by the way. It was nothing to do with beer, honestly. Um, uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it is lovely, this. I mean, I, you know, I, I love it. I really, really do. And I think it also just serves as a reminder. I don't know whether you two have seen this recently, uh, and I might just be feeling this warm glow of Yorkshire at the moment, but um, 
there've been a couple of posts in the in, in Zwift Riders in particular, uh, often from new Zwifters, and I, I do think this is sometimes useful perspective for us grisly old hands who just posted to say, uh, "Do you know what, guys? Zwift is really good." And I think Shane being at Eurobike this year, where there were literally no rivals, well, there was one, but they don't even have a product. I mean. It just serves as a reminder, doesn't it, that actually it's a pretty damn good thing we've got here. Look, somebody posted on my Strava um, route or the Strava ride that I posted today that um, is that cow correct? Because it looks like the head's a little different to the size of the shape of the cow and et cetera. And I'm like, wow, what a position we're in now where we're analyzing cows on a training platform. That was a bit of a reality hit for me. And here I am posting, uh, I really like the uh, the Zwift slash Sim Farm collab that's now taking place because I went around and took photos of all the uh, in-game photos of all the animals and stuff. It's just, it really is in a different space than everything else, I think. We're having a bit of fun with it. But for me, today was my ride. Um, I've now got a little screaming baby I have to attend to every now and then. So I wanted to jump on and ride my bike. I'm jumping on. I'm just going for a ride. It wasn't training. It was just going for a ride. And I think this comes back to, it's just that new discipline, which is just called riding your bike indoors. It's not necessarily training. But in regard to the, um, the other competitors there of Swift or other software companies in that space, yeah, Ruby were there at show. Um, there was a few others there in conjunction with other hardware companies there at Eurobike, but Zwift is in their own space. They really are. But again, remembering Eurobike is a B2B show, so not really B2C. So the consumer, there's a consumer day there, but it's more about the the the, uh, the meetings behind the scenes than the you know showing everything up front. But I think there's a few companies that are blurring those lines as well, Wahoo being one of them. Um, they really do well on social mm-hmm. media, showing it's like a almost a consumer event. Um, but Zwift were really there for the consumer. Um, it's just interesting. I, I think, I mean, we, we know this, we're old hat talking about this in front of all the other Zwifters listening as well, but, um, it's interesting times. I wouldn't like to be a competitor to Zwift. Um, no, me neither. Uh, me neither. And that, that hit, that hit oh, so home at Eurobike. I mean, I know another of you two guys could be there this year, but Zwift's booth was such a statement I mean, it was, we are the biggest players in this game. You know, I mean, I don't know what they spent on that booth, but I would imagine it was a very, very significant sum of money. But it was just like, we are Zwift. Don't mess with us. That was was kind of what the booth was saying to me. Um, And, you know, they are number one by a long way in their field, Uh, Nathan, are they not? Yeah, I would say they definitely are. Um, it's interesting, like looking. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the how far it's come in a lot of ways too, uh, as far as the graphics go and things. Um, I'm actually watching Tom Hargreaves uh, ride from Zwift right now through the UCI course, um, and you, you're speaking on the vegetation and and the just the look of the game, and and that's kind of what I was struck with with this latest release. Actually, is that how far the look of the game has actually come as well. Um, now, uh, I don't want to play. I mean, I, I like to really have a dialectic here and, and there is, um, you know, we, we don't want to be a sleeping giant though. I don't think, I mean, we, I shouldn't say, but Zwift, I don't think want to be a, um, a sleeping giant. And I mean, you can, I'm going to say you can show up and have a big boom, you know what I mean? And, and, and own, you do definitely can own the space and, there's a lot of companies that have owned spaces um, in the past completely that uh, had, um, you know, Clubber Lane comes along and goes, hey, 
Like you, you might have a statue in the middle of this place, in the middle of Philadelphia, but it, uh, you didn't know what you were getting in the ring with so if something else comes along. So I don't know. I just, I think I, I think you're, you are, you're warning of perhaps the dangers of complacency, given that they are so, so far ahead of everybody else. Yeah, that's that, all. That's, that that's all. I just wouldn't, um, you know, and I think there's, there's other things to talk about in the uh, spaces of like future works and spaces of like, yeah. yeah well, so we'll I just think, that. yeah, exactly. We'll I think there's more. So I'm just hinting yeah. at more in this episode, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Well, that's kind of it on Yorkshire. I mean, I love it. I, you know, why would I not? Uh, Apart from the fact that I do think it's beautifully rendered and incredibly accurate, you know, who wouldn't want their hometown in Swift? Um, uh, I I think it's a fabulous job. Um, Keep an eye on Swiftcast listeners, folks. I'm down to lead a couple of recon rides um, in the next couple of days, I think. Uh, Hope you can join me on those. I'll post on Swiftcast listeners. Well, as well as Harrogate, the game updates included a second major, I mean, a really seriously major development, although we can't ride it just yet. Under the FutureWorks label, we'll soon have a mountain bike course in Swift with steering. You'll need a phone mounted to your bars and runnings with companions to make it work. And the route is just off the Titans Grove portion of Watopia. Now, I rode this at, at Eurobike. Um, as you will know, uh, uh, Shane, testing stuff out in jeans in a hot hall surrounded by a ton of people. I mean, it's not really ideal, to be honest, but but I really liked um, the very short trial I had of it. it. I mean, it just has a completely different dimension to Zwifting. Uh, I'm sure you two guys know. I mean, sometimes you can kind of just drift off and your mind wanders all over the place while your legs continue to work. Uh, you, you can't really do that when you're trying to steer a line down a down a single track course. It requires a surprising amount of concentration. Um, I'll post a little video of just how hard I was concentrating on for cast listeners. And it is an absolutely whole new level of immersion. Um, you get stars for keeping a good line, and if you beat a certain time, you get a Zwift mountain bike. You can adjust the sensitivity of the steering in the companion app. And I found it pretty good, actually. Not too twitchy as other games previously, tax have been, uh, but very responsive. Um, Nathan, as our resident from the dark side, um, I guess you're pretty excited about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited on two fronts. I'm excited on a mountain biking front because it's going to be really great to try and get really good times, getting the right lines and all that kind of stuff as you see as a crossover from mountain biking in real life. It's all about threading the needle between trees or different corners and finding the best way to corner, etc. But um, at the same time, from a gaming perspective, it's a little bit more, inter- It's well, not a little bit more, it's a lot more interactive. Um, yeah. It is um, player versus environment. It's a PVE experience uh, when it comes to uh, the gaming side of things. And so um, it, I think that's a, a an amazing launch into FutureWorks. I like that they call it FutureWorks. Uh, I like that it's like, this is a whole new way to Zwift that I feel like is going to have a lot of other things. Like, it sounds like this is just the start. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we're just putting a foot in the water and look what we're doing here. So that's super exciting. Um, You guys are going to talk about drafting too. And I, I definitely want to talk a little bit about how this might, 
expose some things about drafting and prove or disprove some things, which would be really interesting too. Okay. Well, we'll get, we'll get back to that in a minute because that's, that's kind of on the roadie side of things, which um, is where Shane and I sit. Um, but, but I, I agree with what you just said that the level of immersion until you try it, you don't really kind of fully understand it, but the level of immersion re- in, that, that, that is involved in trying to do something that involves you know, hand-eye coordination and concentration. I, I mean, it, it, I was, it wasn't like Zwifting for me. It was like something completely different. Really, really interesting. But Shane, us roadies, I mean, I'm kind of gagging to see this implemented for road riding. It has so many possibilities. I mean, drafting could be a whole different ball game. Racing could be a whole lot more skills-based. Uh, uh, pack, you know, minute adjustments of your position in the pack with some benefit or maybe disbenefit for, for for your performance in the game. I mean, this, you know, this just opens up a whole wide world, does it, does it not? Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a game changer if implemented correctly. Now, it's not the first to do this. As we've mentioned, the TAC software has done this in the past, but nothing to the scale and immersion of Zwift has come along and done steering. And it's something we've talked about for years and years, just shooting the breeze about what the possibilities would be with Zwift. So for me, off the top of my head, it was about group dynamics and group riding. So doing a turn on the front and then swinging off and the second rider now hits the wind and then you can slow down and roll back in, which yeah, makes like for a, like a proper bunch riding. Line, like a real proper oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So in that, in that aspect, you've got big bunch riding where you can take a turn on the front, ease off and then go back into the bunch. And then you've got team time trials where you can be specifically yeah. on the front, your second rider, third rider, fourth rider, really dial that in. Um, echelons. So now that would introduce crosswinds. Zwift doesn't have wind. It has fake wind. You see a little few things here and there, but they could put wind on course. So a northerly wind today, a southerly wind. And if you're riding along, you'll get blown to the side. Or if you're in a bunch, you can do an echelon. Remember the the spring classics, seeing those echelons all the way down the road, they could implement that. Plus also attacking in the gutter. At the moment, you pretty much attack through people's backsides straight. You go straight through them and you attack <laughs> yeah, off yeah. the front. Now, if you've, anyone's ever raced a criterium or a road race, you never attack straight out of the bunch. You look to the side, each side, and then bang, you go to the gutter and then go. You get a run on them. You kind of can't do that at the moment. So tactic-wise, it'd be good. Again, working turns in breakaways. And then again, thinking further on this, the road gradients on Zwift, I believe at the moment, are all flat. So you go up a hill and it's like, it rises in front of you and then goes down in front of you. It rises in front of you. Imagine if you had a corner, like on a hairpin corner, it's steeper on the inside or it's shallower on the outside, but you've got to ride further. And that could then um, change smart trainers. So you can go a steeper grade up the inside, easier grade, but go longer. Again, changes the tactic. Now, steering 100% of the time is going to be uh, yeah a lot of overhead. It's like thinking about where you are. So we've always mentioned this should be veering, not steering, but also doing it on the handlebars isn't quite right. Not turning the handlebars. It feels a little awkward. I've raced for years and years. I don't think I've ever turned my handlebars. I've lent. You lean yeah, yeah, around yeah, yeah. corners. No, no, no. But to be so, fair, to, to, to be fair, um, um, Eric Schlanger, who was with it, Eurobike, uh, experienced this. I, me less so because I wasn't on it very long and, and I was concentrated too hard and staying on the course. But he says it is responsive to leaning. You know, you, you don't yep, have yep. to wrench the bars round. Le- leaning does yeah. work. And those accelerometers, gy- gyroscopes in the phones, they are unbelievably sensitive. I can see people putting their iPhones on their foreheads and just sort of tilting your head just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So like thinking outside, thinking outside the square of how we're going to implement this, because that's what it comes down to, implementation, because we know the benefits in game, but it's about how is it going to work indoors. Now, steering bikes is not going to work on 90% of the trainers, and it's going to work on 0% of these smart, of bikes, smart bikes that yeah. we're seeing. 
So if you could just lean a little bit. Now I was thinking about that today. Now I don't have access to steering yet, but I was sort of going into a corner and just tilting my shoulders just a little bit, like you do lean, like on a track bike, you lean into the corners and if, you, if it was that sensitive, that would be great. That would be how to do it. But then we're going to have to come up with some hardware that we can, again, stick to our foreheads or stick on the back of our, like where the race radio goes for, you know, when you're outside racing with radio, it's mm. a little pocket mm. in the back of your, uh, your nicks there. So it's going to be a combination of the hardware, but also the in-game experience and also making sure the lag doesn't cause a problem. Because if you're doing a, a turn on the front and somebody with a slower internet connection rolls over you, but then doesn't yeah, and then yeah. disappears and then you're in the wind and then you're not. So, but like exciting I mean, the, times. We've spoken about this for years. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these subtleties, Nathan, that we describe here, which which are the kind of things that are not only going to make the game more immersive and engaging, and of course are going to add immensely to the esports possibilities, um, but this is subtle stuff, isn't it? And probably difficult tech when Zwift is dealing with a customer base that, you know, is on everything from a tax thing that's like, you know, $100 and an ancient laptop up to people like us who spend way too much money on smart trainers and gaming PCs. Yeah, there's two conversations there. I mean, who doesn't have a smartphone? That's one of them. Um, and, and I don't think there's a whole lot of people out there who are Zwifting who don't have a smartphone. Um, so the steering will be implemented regardless if you have a smartphone. Now, there's also the question of like, yeah, I mean, for me, my interaction with a video game, I've got a G900 Logitech here with a awesome Razer Naga keyboard and a 240 hertz monitor because I want to be able to whoop everybody in every FPS I play. And will people start like wanting to have the best user interfaces that they possibly can to get the best experience out of the drafting and the steering and etc. So we could start seeing people integrating or upgrading specifically if we do start seeing new ways to interface, right? Like, is there going to be a protocol for interfacing? You have to use a phone or if they start having like buttons or whatever you could have in order for steering, like there might be better ways to do it. Right. And that starts getting into like specialization, like all cyclists like to get into who do race their bikes. <laughs> it's all yeah, about the yeah, little, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all about those gains. So, um, and another thing though, that I think on the steering front is that, with test labs and what we've been doing for those of you who don't know test labs with community live test labs have been a place where we've been doing little changes to CDA or power ups, uh, the, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the drag on the avatars, the, how much draft is available, how long the draft is, things like that. And I think that the steering might, um, expose some of the places where we need uh, some work, in my opinion. Uh, you know, one of the places that has been most frustrating has been pack dynamics when racing. One of the places where I slam yeah. my handlebars the most is like, why is my avatar doing that? <laughs> like, what is going on? And now, now that I get more control, will the control, so I think, will the control given to me actually um, make me feel like I'm more empowered or will it like expose a hole in where drafting impact dynamics are at because I do get more power and it doesn't change or it gets like, Whoa, what yeah, it gets yeah, worse. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it'll be as, interesting as it to see. More, sure. As it gets more realistic and you have more control, you kind of get more critical because it's not doing the thing that you expected it to do that it might do out on the, uh, on the road. Perhaps. But that'll only yep, give I mean, toward advancement, I think, because then if it is like glaring, it'll be like, Oh, we got to do something about it, you know? And yeah, then yeah, yeah. that'll be great. So yeah. 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 
I mean, as usual, we three are getting hopelessly ahead of ahead of ourselves, you know. But I mean, I guess the thing about seeing seeing actually implemented, and and sorry for those who've not experienced it yet, and and kind of you know, it's not in game yet, but it will be pretty soon, I think. Definitely this month, John said. Um, this is a massive, massive, massive leap forward for Zwift. It's a huge leap forward, as as indeed is the um, the the development of the FutureWorks uh, project. Um, I, 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 you know, this, uh, I hate this phrase. We use it far too often, and it comes up far too often. But it is it is a game changer. It really is a game changer. Um, and when people experience it, I'm sure I'm sure they'll agree. Okay, and I'm sure we'll be back to that uh, uh, in coming episodes quite frequently. Okay, chaps, uh, let's just mop up a bit of the kind of hangover stuff from Eurobike. Um, Shane, briefly, let's let's just discuss pricing of the smart bikes we saw. Without a doubt, it was the Eurobike of the smart bike. Uh, leader of the pack to me looked to be the Wahoo kicker bike. I have to say, comes in at around three and a half thousand US. Uh, my take on that is, yep, it's a lot of money for sure. It really is, but for what you get, and perhaps more importantly, what you don't need, like a bike, and for the fact that its adjustability means it could easily be used by two or even more people in the same household. I actually don't think that pricing is is too stratospheric. Shane? Yeah, look, the first thing that I have to um, acknowledge here that all the smart bikes that were announced at Eurobike, we just don't know about that ride experience. There's a few companies that have come out who have done spin bikes in the past, but they have not done interactivity. So it is a big leap forward for them to do sim mode and erg mode. It's one thing to ship a spin bike. It's another thing to ship an interactive smart bike that's going to require sim mode changes, erg mode responsiveness, and power accuracy. But pricing-wise, it's a really interesting one. All we can look at is pricing and features on paper. And for me, the most important bit is what's it like to ride? Because if it's horrible to ride, I don't care what features it has or what what price it is. If it's a good bike to ride... Also, well, I'm not going to be paying Fura Pista style um, $12,000, but no, no, you know, no, no. these things are still in the ballpark. So look, from the bottom there, I guess, the, the $2,500 Watt Bike Atom, now I'm going on US prices. So the Watt Bike Atom, 170 mil cranks, you don't have no choice over cranks. It's headless, you have no gear indicators on the bike itself to know what gear you're in. It's an old mechanical um, stepper motor magnetic resistance unit, which can be slow to respond in sim mode, and it's not silent. So there's the lower end. You step up a little bit higher to stages for a few hundred dollars. Now, they just still haven't worked out what they're going to charge us. It was kind of interesting to hear them say, "Well, we haven't finalized pricing yet, but they've finalized the hardware. They yeah. know what they're going to. They know what it's going to cost them." They're just sort of between twenty six and twenty eight hundred. They were saying, yeah, they were sort of fishing with you know how much profit we're going to make. It's like, come on, guys, get a number and stick to it. But so for the stages yeah. again, stages know spin bikes and they know power, but it's the first step for interactivity for those guys. So still a headless unit. And no um, indication of gears or you know, resistance on the bike. You have to have that with your software. But then in the $3,000 arena, we have two offerings there from known good companies who know interactivity. That's Tax and Wahoo. So the Neo bike, now $3,200, three crank lengths. You have gear indication on screen based on Neo resistance technology. Um, still somewhat an unknown putting that all together, but they've got Garmin backing now and they have a software ecosystem that comes with that with the tax training apps. So as you step up in price, you're stepping up in a little bit more, I guess, assurance or history that would sort of push them towards being able to provide a good experience. And then you've got the Wahoo kicker bike. Now, $3,500, a lot of people are saying, that's a lot of money, I'll never pay this. But when you put it on the scale of everything else, that thing tilts up and down. It's got a kicker climb built in, 
which is quite unique. Five crank lengths, gear status on the bike, virtual group set selection is working today. Right now, we're not waiting for a firmware update. And Wahoo, no interactivity. They've been selling hardware that does sim mode, erg mode for years. And also there's provision for upgrades already for TT shifters and things. But so when you look at the bigger picture, there is a scale there and it's quite linear with what you pay is what you get. But the value comes down to what the experience is going to be like, which is what I'm hanging out for. So stay tuned on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're, you're right. Nobody's had a proper chance to put these through. Well, of course, they've been put through tests. I mean, uh, Chip said that they've actually had 100 of the wild bikes out in the wild being tested, but there's nothing like, you know, the test of, of the mass market. Um, so they haven't kind of been tested to, to our satisfaction, at least. And I think what you were saying there is, you know, I can probably sum that up in many fewer words. You get what you pay for. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, you really do. Um Okay, well, interesting. I mean, there was some resistance I felt online, but then there's always resistance online when, it, when a new expensive product is launched. You know, people love to get behind the keyboard and say, how much? I'm not paying that. And then they go out and buy it. So, <laughs> you know, it was exactly the same with with, with, with smart trainers. Um, anyway, I had Chip Hawkins cornered because he was busy promoting the kicker. So I thought I had the kicker bite. So I thought I'd ask him some slightly more difficult questions. Uh, and I asked him about the Wahoo acquisition of Sufferfest. Here's what he said. A good number of people in the industry, I think, found your acquisition of Sufferfest intriguing. I mean, what what was the thinking around that? Well, it's a, it's a, um, the market is, is expanding and growing and healthy. And, um, you know, we see the integration points between hardware and software as, as pain points in the industry. And we see, um, that there's opportunities on, um, you know, for, uh, for us to have success in the hardware and the software. And so, um, just, it's a way for us to participate in, in both sides. And, um, we just love the guys at Sufferfest and love what they do. And we feel like we can bring more, um, more people and eyeballs to their platform than they were seeing on their own or could market to. Um, but it's, you know, we love, we love the open nature of everything. So that's the, the intent wouldn't be to close down at all. It's really to open them up more and open up us up more and, uh, participate a little bit in, um, in the, the software side of the business and, and getting to know our customers better. You know, that's one of our, you know, our biggest weaknesses on the kicker side of the, of the platform is once you open the box, you really, we lose that, we lose our customers. We, we you know, if you go straight to Zwift or you go straight to another platform, we're, we're losing that conversation with our customers. Um, and, and on our bike computer side, it's the exact opposite. We, we you know, people use our app, we, we work with them through that entire experience. And so it's just a, a way for us to try to stay closer. Is it all about data? It's all about data. It really is. It really is. Famously, though, I mean, you, 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 you've, to an extent, built the company's success on a number of things. I mean, one is obviously great products, but the other is, is, is you built success on, on being avowedly platform neutral. I mean, you know, the, when the kicker came out, it worked with everything. Every kicker works with everything. There will be some who think, well, if they're now, you know, they own Sufferfest, there's going to maybe a bit, bit of favoritism going on there. Is that, you know, you tell, know I, tell me about that. I, ironically, I'd say it's the opposite. Um, you know, we generally put out unique products and getting the different industry partners to adopt them is, is a challenge for us. And so when we have a, you know, a, an interest in a company, a financial interest in a company, then we are, you know, we're, it's easier for us to cooperate and make things work more seamlessly and give a better experience to our customers. It, it, maybe it'll make some of the other platforms, you know, 
jump on and do things quicker. Yeah, the kicker bike's a good example. There's six buttons on each of the bars, and and all of the control, all of that protocol has been open for at least a few months, and and none of the software uses it yet, with the exception of Supperfest and uh, and Mike from Full Gas is in our booth, and he's got a lot of cool stuff going as well. But, so, that, uh, so that so those buttons basically are an open invitation to the software industry, right? Do something with them, do guys. Do something with them, and and I can say Supperfest is. And, uh, and in a cooperating way. And, um, and so it gives us an opportunity to make sure that what we're delivering is delivered in an awesome way. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, that's kind of the... Well, already, Shane, and totally unsurprisingly, there's already evidence of a closer relationship between Wahoo and Sufferfest. And as, as I said to Chip in the questioning, Wahoo have always been agnostic to software, uh, platform neutral, I think we can call it. Do you think that inevitably will change now they own Suffer First? I hope not. I hope not because Wahoo's a known loved brand and it gives people the choice to choose whatever software they like. And what's interesting about, um, just to step back a little bit from Eurobike, nearly every single vendor there with a bike or hardware had the keyword Zwift, Zwift, Zwift or in their PR release works with Zwift. It's what, what about yeah, Trainer yeah, yeah. Road? Yeah. What about the rest of them? So Wahoo at least, yeah. Uh, yeah, they do have Sufferfest. Wahoo also had full gas there in the booth. So they're not against everyone else. They're going to have to be open because the market's, it's big enough but it's it's not too big to like be able to close doors like that. So I don't think that'll change. But I think the the acquisition of Sufferfest makes a lot more sense now. So Wahoo now have the hardware, they also have the software. So they've now got a little closed system that if a user comes in and wants to buy the entire setup and be looked after from one port of call for the customer support experience, it's there if they choose. So that's pretty cool. They've also got data. They've also got data. I mean, that's you know, a big one I, as well. I, I think it was in that clip that I said, you know. It, it's all about data, you know, as, as what Chip didn't say this, but he meant it. As soon as we sell a, a kicker, we, you know, we pretty much lose that data mining capability unless people go to the uh, Wahoo workout, which I think, you know, almost nobody does. So I do, I do think it's a, it's, a, it's a bit about that. Nathan, did I hear a bit of a dig from Chip? there about you know, uh, when he was talking about the buttons on the bike he, he was seeming to suggest that other uh, software providers which he didn't quite name were not being quite as quick as he'd like did you hear that too well he said four buttons right if i'm not incorrect right six yeah, yeah. so i mean just oh six so i mean we've got power-ups we've got turn 5. left 1. turn right 5. we've got yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's, there, the buttons are there where people are like sweating all over their keyboards, screaming for, that. <laughs> I mean, we need some sort of interactivity with the screen that we have up there. And, and yeah, I think there was some frustration. It was, um, with, uh, it sounded like it was pointed directly at, uh, Zwift or, or saying, look, these protocols have been open for months. We launched and why can't I at the show that we're at right now show off, with the bike here to be able to steer with this launch that you now have. It was probably, I, I think there was some timing around the frustration too, mm. being at the mm. show and being unable to use those cool buttons in ways with the new steering. And, um, you know, and there's probably, I think also like when it comes to bike lanes um, in drafting and so I know I'm getting a little in the weeds here, but like, maybe buttons would be even better just to kind of swap in certain situations and certain game modes to get behind people and stuff. There's just a lot of options there. It seems like we're just having a few buttons to work with console uh, players can relate to that rather than keyboard and mouse players when it comes to video games. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I definitely think there was a dig there. Uh, I also think that, 
um, this is this was harking to the sleeping giant idea too that like if some people start doing some things in a place where you have a little bit of critique of Zwift in a in a certain community, uh, it's a little too gamey, too Mario Kart like for me. It's a little bit. It's not this serious about training, and they can start pulling uh, pulling from those people if they do create some sort of. Uh, experience, but how is Buttons and Sufferfest going to interact? I don't understand that part, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think what he was saying was, I've given you the buttons, I've made the protocols open, you you go and do your thing, software developers, and make my buttons do exciting things. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of. Okay. Um, well, again, uh, at the show, I took the opportunity of grilling another of the big players on acquisition news. As we know, tax is now owned by Garmin. We've heard surprisingly little about what this actually may mean to uh, to me and you, consumer. So I chanced my arm with the question to Taxes PR Maria de Heiter. I've almost certainly pronounced your second name wrong, Maria. I'm very sorry about that. Here's what she said. Obviously, Garmin are a very, very large company with considerable software expertise and resource. Have tax considered, or have Garmin tax considered, whether the tax software offering, which, to be honest, is probably overshadowed by Zwift and some of the others, could go? Do you have big ambitions in that area? It's not like really my focus, the software part, but if I look at it, uh, I I do believe that combining the knowledge we have with combining the knowledge Garmin has with Garmin Connect, there's a huge potential to bring that together. And I and I yeah agree. Uh, Swift is really really big, but I really think that our software is different compared to Swift. Uh, that's a virtual world. If I look at our software, I really see um, uh, the training perspective. And if I set that next to Garmin Connect, I really think that is. Um, good if we can manage to connect those two. Well, she didn't say a lot, Shane, but tax, tax software and Garmin Connect and training all in the same sentence. I mean, I'm not quite sure how that would look, but it sounds to me as though tax are not giving up on us, on their software in the face of the Zwift behemoth. Is, is that the right reading of that, do you think? Yeah, again, it comes down to insurance, I think, if Zwift do close their doors, which I don't see them doing. But if they did, then there's going to be a lot of hardware out there of people going, well, what do I use now? So tax need their own software. So Wahoo have Sufferfest, they can look after that. Tax needs something as well. So they've continued on with the tax desktop app, I think they've called it, which needs to be mm. renamed because who has a desktop computer these days? We've known, I don't think anybody owns a desktop <laughs> yeah, computer. Yeah, yeah. What so does I, that even mean? Yeah, exactly. So I think, look, the combination of Garmin Connect with the training plans, with the data analysis there, the analytics, the fitness tracking. Now, some certain Zwift software doesn't have fitness tracking as such we use we rely on other software for that so there's some opportunity there but as for the text tax i can't even pronounce it tax desktop app um it's just not known like if you were to say some to somebody mm-hmm. oh, i'll do indoor training uh, savvy cyclists will be like oh zwift trainer road suffer first ruby like they'll know a few of the key words but tax desktop app they just don't know about it i think it's more of an insurance thing um it's it's not bad software it's ride through software type stuff like uh, virtual rides and things let's not forget they've been in the game longer than longer than zwift um and, and you know a few garmin marketing dollars behind this nathan we could see a different thing couldn't we yeah i think you know data uh, i'd like to see data on people who are not quite like full-on indoor 
athletes yet. And I wouldn't say cyclists, but would be in some sort of a way soon. Um, and want to connect with all other training in one place with one company. Right. And Garmin is huge. I mean, like I couldn't think of actually riding outside with or without anything else, like as far as tracking stuff goes. And at that point, I think it's kind of about bringing all of the experience of your indoor, outdoor and everything all together into one place. That is a pull. Um, at that point, though, I think for Garmin, um, it's about which product matters more to people and who's going to end up losing out. Is Zwift or Garmin a bigger pull and product solution? right? Like the outdoor people who uh, just want to ride indoors, sometimes they might not see a big pull with Zwift and Zwift would lose them if Garmin said, hey, we're going to just do our thing with tax. You know what I mean? And not share because it comes down to like Mm -hmm. one solution for all of your workouts being tracked in one place or are they going to continue to share? And if they don't continue to share, then it's about like which one is going to be the bigger pull. And I think for those who might Zwift sometimes, but are mainly just outdoor doing things and tracking it, Garmin might be the bigger pull. So they, I think they have something to work with there uh, with the offering for the sometime indoor riders or runners or whatever it is they might be tracking. So I think there's a definite thing there that the market could have a big pull with, especially for the not so low hanging fruit that Zwift seems to be after right now, like in the next years to come. So I'd be, my eyebrows are raised and I'd be perked up a little bit about, well, what can we do about this? You know? Um, yeah, yeah. So. well, you know, I mean, I think potentially the right ingredients are there to bake an interesting cake, you know, but it's about putting the right ingredients in, in the right order. I mean, I, you know, I remember when Garmin Connect kind of tried to, to out Strava Strava and everybody looked at them and said, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Are you really, you know, are you, do you really think you're going to take on Strava and beat them at the game that Strava kind of invented? Well, no, you're not. But, you know, Tax is a trainer. Garmin is a huge company with lots of resource. Connect, you know, love it or loathe it. It's, it's, it's you know, it's a thing uh, with a lot of expertise behind it. Um, so, yeah, uh, ingredients are there. Just, Can they bake the right cake? Yeah, I, and I'd have to agree with you there that the only thing that's delivered well so far in the history and, like, tastes well when it comes out the oven has just been the Garmin physical products that track your stuff. Everything else – I mean, the Tax Neo is amazing as a, you know, as a trainer. Uh, that's obviously amazing. But when it comes to the software solutions, I mean, I use Connect a little bit and then just, okay, I'm just going to Strava. Like, it was like, you know, and – and, the, you know, I think it's similar also with the software that would try to compete with Zwift. It's just nowhere now. So it'd be interesting if they can yeah. deliver better. Okay. Well, of course, as we so often say, that will be an interesting one to watch. Okay. Lastly, for this episode, I mean, we covered the major smart bike launches at your bike in the last episode, and we talked a bit about them in, in, in this one too. But there was one I couldn't squeeze into that last episode, and it's a really interesting one. It's the True Bike from a Dutch startup called True Kinetics. Here's their founder explaining what it's all about. Uh, my name is Bas van Rens. I'm the founder uh, of True Kinetics. And you're a, you're a Dutch company, I believe. Yes, we're based out of uh, Haarlem, uh, the Netherlands. You're propounding a, a very new and very different kind of technology. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about that. What I always noticed was that you put out so much less power indoor than uh, compared to outdoors. 
and every coach knows about it, every triathlete knows about it, and the typical the typical saying is, yeah, it's because it's warm and it's boring, and I, I just couldn't couldn't accept that. Long story short, uh, I did some calculations and I discovered that the flywheel on your indoor trainer is typically only 10% of the real weight that you have, so rather than pushing your own body weight on your bike, you're basically only pushing one-tenth of your body weight. So it's like doing shot put with a, with a tennis ball. If you paint it black, it looks a lot like a shot put, but it's not. So then I thought about making the flywheel heavier, which is quite difficult um, to make it heavy enough. And then I thought, well, why don't I just get rid of the flywheel, which is what we did. And we just replaced the entire flywheel and brake system uh, with a very uh, powerful electric car engine. And from the measurements we did on competing systems and ours, we see that our uh, force graphs and speed graphs uh, mimic the outside uh, riding exactly. So in other words, you're microscopically and very frequently altering the amount of resistance that the motor provides against the rider. Exactly, exactly. So we're performing about uh, 10,000 measurements a second on the um, 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 on the rider, and can the, can the motor react that fast? Um, yes and no. So there's also artificial intelligence in there to learn about what the motor is doing, to actually learn about what the rider is doing, and to adjust to that. Because there, if you're just reacting, you're too slow. Okay, uh, super interesting te technology. As you say, very different from what's on the market at the moment. What what does it mean to the rider? How, you know, what what's what's the diff what difference does it make? But what you notice on our bike, if you ride away, is it's like riding away from a stoplight. It takes forever to get up to speed, especially if you're in a heavy gear. What you also notice if you start climbing, a lot of people will notice feeling that they're falling through their pedal. You know, I, that was my my thing. After about an hour on my on my time trial bike in my indoor trainer, every, my bum would start to hurt. I'd try, I'd stand up to relieve that pain, and I would just fall through the pedals. And on this bike, it just the motor is so strong, we can hold your weight. We will hold your pedal in place. So, in in short, the kind of marketing claim for this is it's much more like riding an outside bike outside. Yeah, much more. And 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 a lot of companies out there are focusing on giving you the outside riding experience like Zwift and, and, and all these other companies that provide uh, videos of, of riding a mountain. But not everybody is focusing on giving you the same muscle loads. And our goal is to give you exactly the same muscle loads as outdoors so you'll last much longer, you'll put out 20 to 30% more power. Research shows that people put out 20 to 30% more power outdoors compared to indoors. So that if you think about that, if you're spending the time on that bike, why not put out the extra 20, 30% of power so you train your heart-lung function, you train your muscles the right way, and that's, that's really the change. So I guess what you're saying is the software is growing ever more realistic in being able to simulate the outside, but the hardware is not yet, in your view, caught up. Yeah, rightfully so. And, and what we're doing is something that we couldn't have done five years ago because we're using three computers in there to do to handle all the math that you need to do this. Uh, we're using electric car engines that five years ago weren't available and we're using electronics that also weren't available five years ago because of the enormously high currents that we have to run. Well, it's an interesting proposition, interesting looking bike. 
uh, I'm going to jump on and uh, and see if uh, what you say is is true. And uh, thank you very much indeed for your time uh, in talking to us. Well, you're most welcome. Thank you, Shane. Uh, I did have a go on this actually, and and it did feel again, you know, qualification, jeans, trainers, hot haul, not very long. Um, but it did feel significantly different. I mean, it did, as the guy said. You know, you didn't fall through it. It, it did feel as though it was offering a, a, a lot of resistance. Um, I, I thought he explained the principles fairly well. Do they do they kind of ring true to you? Yeah, the idea of a motorized flywheel has a huge amount of potential behind it. Well, I guess kinetic potential and uh, was it um, moving potential? Um, it's a really interesting idea because. As you're moving along, there's a ton of weight behind you outdoors. And you know that when you stop co- when you stop pedaling and start coasting, it takes ages to slow down. But on a smart trainer, it sort of stops really quickly. So the idea is there. It's effectively like an e-bike smart trainer, but you still have to put the watts out. Now, I'll have to tee off on their science. They're quoting, though, as their thing. So they say here on their website, people deliver 20 to 30% less power yeah, indoors. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's just nonsense. That's yeah. just now, nonsense. I've, I've, and they shouldn't make I've done my research. Yeah, yeah. I've done my research. So the study was from 12 recreationally trained cyclists, only 12, and hanging your hat on 12 recreationally trained cyclists yeah, yeah. who did an FTP of, I think it was 160 indoors and 200 outdoors. That's not yeah. good enough. Look, I've actually jumped on PubMed and within two minutes I found that uh, there's a study there of 20 competitive cyclists saying indoors and outdoors for their 20-minute time trial was exactly the same. Now, this yeah, comes exactly. down to the hardware that you're on. So, again, this comes back to their hardware having merit for what it does because if you're on a really bad trainer, let's just say you're on – something that's really sluggish it feels like you're pedaling in sand it's going to feel harder and they do talk about their um perceived effort indoors being harder but that's because if it doesn't if the pedaling stroke doesn't match outdoors you're not trained for that so it's it's a mismatch there of what you're trained for how the body responds and the hardware you're using now what they need to do though is put some studies out there on their unit and show that power outdoors matches power indoors for these trained cyclists because that's what it's all about so fantastic idea just just tidy that marketing up. It's a little embarrassing. Um, uh, yeah, I, just, I absolutely agree one. on that. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually off mic. I did have this discussion with him. You know, I said, look, don't quote that 20 to 30% figure. It's clearly nonsense. And anybody who knows anything about it knows it's nonsense. I, you know, I, I was impressed uh, by the way he explained the technology and the kind of rationale of the technology. And I was impressed by the ride. I'm not impressed by their messaging. And I'm not impressed. And I also think they've got a tough job to actually get the messaging right on this. I mean, I think they should just stick to, you know, the idea that this is a this is a, a bike that properly replicates the feel of an outdoor bike. Not not not, not this road feel thing, but you know, this idea that. Oh, you see, I mean, even I'm struggling. I mean, you know, it's a tough <laughs> one to explain. It is a tough, tough, tough one to explain. But the technology itself looks to have a lot of potential. Okay, uh, so that's enough training talk. I think uh, <clears throat> listeners are bored with training talk now. We've had a lot of it last couple of episodes. Um, uh, Maxwell report, Shane. Now we had a Maxwell report last episode. Let's 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 have another one. Well, I think the f- uh, it's taken forty one years to be, for me to be thrown up on on my birthday at six a.m. by someone <laughs> other than myself. <laughs> it happened today. <laughs> so happy birthday, me. <laughs> but uh, no, look, he's doing really really well. Um, his hands are starting to move and grip and throw things around, but his legs are pedaling. He's he's a cyclist or a runner. <laughs> I'm staying cyclist. His legs are kicking, kicking, kicking. Um, he's getting more vocal. And uh, look, he's actually joined me for a few training sessions. I now get 
the indoor training thing. I've got no time to go outside. <laughs> I've got responsibilities indoors now. And some of those trainers, they're pretty quiet, but it's this white noise that he falls asleep to. So it's a beautiful thing having my little man oh, sitting no, next to me watching me pedaling away. And I look down, I'm like, geez, Max, you see that? I just nailed that. Oh, he's sleeping. Oh. But uh, yeah, no, well, no, maybe well. this should be maybe this should be a new element of the llama lab test, mate. Which trainer sends the baby to sleep the fastest? <laughs> it would be me waking him up, swearing at trainers that don't actually match my experience or accuracy. That would be waking him up, not the trainers. So uh, it's all good. Things are really, really good. That is great. Oh. <laughs> Nathan, what's happening with you, bud? Uh, we're in the middle of the Fusion ECT as well, uh, series, as well as the Lamb Chop series, which has been really great with the handicap racing. Uh, Test Labs is on a break right now just to kind of look over the data and uh, get some changes. And, and also with the esports stuff going on, trying not to interrupt any of that as well. We have to uh, make sure that we're not scheduling on top of each other. So, um, besides that, riding uh, lots of Zwift, and I'm kind of like in this mode of getting ready for Zwift season. Actually, it feels like so that's been great. Um, and that's about that's about it. I want a uh, kicker bike, really bad, actually, maybe even two. <laughs> actually, maybe two or three. You know, I'm a dad inside riding trainer with teenagers, so and we all ride bikes, so I need like two or three set up to race each other on Zwift. <laughs> I must admit, I did sit watch looking at it at your bike for for two days, and the, you know that feeling where you th- that kind of that that self conversation you have about something that you almost certainly know that ultimately you are going to own, but there's like it's there's like a seven step process. You know, there is no, I don't need it. Oh, well, actually, it might be nice. Oh, no, I can't really afford it. I'm like the opposite, Simon. Like, if I want a certain <laughs> bike and I know it's the bike that I want, it's it's happening. Like I'm getting that. I'm getting that. I'll figure out a way. Anyways. Yeah. Well, no, you do look at a product and you do think one day I am going to own you. I probably shouldn't, but I probably am. I, I had that sort of feeling about the kicker bike, actually. Um, Nathan, are you are you getting your your Wisconsin butt over to Harrogate for the Worlds or not? Uh, question mark. So right. Question mark. Shane, I'm guessing you're not. I'm on dad duty. Yeah, yeah, I thought that might be the case. Okay, well, uh, I'm sure we will manage to get together in the flesh in person, all three of us, uh, sometime in the upcoming indoor season. That's it for this episode. Thank you very much, as ever, you two, for taking part. Really enjoyed it. There goes another hour of our lives talking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks a lot. See you guys. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Just the usual postscript. Whilst I'm very grateful for the generous support of Zwift for the podcast, we decide what goes into the podcast, not Swift. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>